This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Prime Time Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Canada's only money show dedicated to those of you 50-plus in your overall investment, tax, and estate planning. And your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. And speaking about estate planning, we have uh, David Eddy. He's back on the show today for his part two of a two-part series. In case you missed last week's show, David is the author of Executor Help, How to Settle an Estate, Pick an Executor, and Avoid Family Fights. You can listen to part one of the series on all mainstream media platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, or you can visit our website at www dot primetime money that's all one word dot ca and you can get part one and we have uh, two more books to give away if you want to be entered in a draw all you got to do is call dominique at 1-866-891-2637 and again last week if you um, missed the show uh, we also handed out a, an estate planning guide it's called uh, how to plan for tomorrow today and it's from rbc it's uh, 35 pages long so it's an essential guide and it talks about um, all the elements that you need for an estate plan, how to create the plan, five steps, um, preparing, defining your objectives, evaluating the objectives, um, determine the actions that you need necessary to achieve what you're looking to do, consulting with the appropriate advisors, the methods of transferring the assets um, in terms of setting up a will. And there's different kinds of wills. Did you know that there's, just, there's a formal will, there's a holograph will, and there's a notarial will. And um, how often your will has to be reviewed, um, the assets that are not subject to probate, how to deal with uh, registered plans, so that would be your RSP, your RIF, and your uh, tax-free saving account, inter vivos trusts and testamentary trusts, uh, taxes at death, RSPs and RIFs again, probate taxes, estate taxes, how to deal with life insurance and the different kinds of life insurance, you know, term policies and uh, permanent insurance. And then uh, the other part that's included in estate planning, of course, is not dealing with the will or um, choosing an executor, but it has to do with the powers of attorney. So you're alive, uh, living benefits, disability insurance, critical illness insurance, and long-term care insurance. All that is packed in the information, and it's yours, and it's free for the asking. Uh, just call Dominique now at 1-866-891-2637 to be in the draw for the book and to get the uh, guide, How to Plan for Tomorrow Today. And joining us right after this is going to be uh, Alfred Lee. He's a portfolio manager at BMO Asset Management. He's joining us here today, and he's going to cover an investment that's yielding over 9%. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Prime Time Money. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money. And joining us now is Alfred Lee. He's a portfolio manager and investment strategist at BMO Asset Management. Hey, good morning, Alfred. Thanks for uh, joining us here this morning. My pleasure. You know, I wanted to get you on here and talk a little bit about uh, fixed income. We haven't really delved into that issue a lot. And and the thing I want to talk about is that you have a lot of things going on. Number one, it was a very tough year if you had a fixed income fund and uh, fixed income ETFs. You know, they're down quite a bit. 
But at the same time, you have GICs and saving deposits and bonds, uh, you know, all giving you great yields today. So given all that, um, how are you seeing things in terms of, um, you know, what we should be doing and what's happening with interest rates? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, the trades that we are seeing on our desk, obviously being an ETF shop, uh, we see virtually every asset class uh, on our desk and trades go through as well. But, you know, I would say the predominant trades that we're seeing on our desk right now is one fixed income, two uh, cash-like instruments. So one, I think, fixed income. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, it, it's very rare that we see losses in the fixed income market. I mean, when I yeah. look at the fixed income aggregate bond index, we're down about 14.5% uh, this year. So a lot of people have been kind of uh, taking advantage of this, you know, turning lemons into lemonade, so to speak. Uh, just, you know, selling out of fixed income instruments, whether it's an ETF or individual bonds, swapping it for an ETF, so moving into an ETF to kind of crystallize those losses in order to uh, get those losses to apply against uh, gains. So essentially tax loss selling, then moving into a fixed income ETF. So that's been one uh, prevalent trade that we've been seeing on our desk. Uh, The other one is the GIC trade. So as you mentioned, a lot of people kind of moving into kind of cash-like instruments, cash-like ETFs. I would say we are seeing a lot of traffic from GIC users into ETFs. Uh, reason being is that because I think when you look at a GIC, you know, you're locked into the, to that rate for one yeah. year, right? So, um, you know, looking at the rates for GICs at the beginning of the year, you're getting about 75, uh, 1% in January of this year. Already GICs are paying about 5% this year. So a lot of people don't want to be locked into that rate. So a lot of people are kind of moving into um, cash or cash-like ETFs because it gives them the flexibility to move out of those instruments in case the market rallies. So that's definitely, you know, two trades that have been very popular on our desk uh, over the last several weeks. Okay, so so given all of that, uh, you know, I'm, say for instance, I'm, I'm a listener and I have um, a bond fund and I'm down 10 or 12%. Um, so what you're saying is I, I should hold that bond or sell that bond fund, get a capital loss, and then... What would I buy with it? Like, what, what's some ideas on what, what I should take? Like, if I'm going to go out of that and take that loss, what am I going to go into uh, on an equivalent basis? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if, if you want to maintain that exposure, you could go into an ETF. So, for example, if you hold an individual bond, let's say you're down 15%, you could sell that bond, crystallize the loss, so you could apply it against, you know, other parts of your portfolio um, that have gains. And you could be saying, well, I don't have any gains in, in my portfolio this year. Keep in mind with losses, you can retroactively apply them three years in the past, and you could carry them forward indefinitely as well. So it's a good it's a good tool to have. Um, so if you want to maintain that exposure, you could go into a fixed income ETF. Um, good thing about fixed income ETFs now is that not only do they provide exposure to the aggregate bond uh, universe, but if you wanted to tinker with your exposure and just kind of move into the short end, whatever it may be, go into credit, go into provincials, whatever it may be, there's a lot of fixed income ETFs that essentially provide that exposure. Okay, so you could, you know, maybe the idea is to split it up then. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on, you know, what you're after, right? right? I mean, you could definitely go into a more targeted exposure. You could maintain aggregate bond exposure. Um, you know, alternatively, I mean, if you want to move into equities, if you think equities are going to rally, it doesn't mean that you have to maintain fixed income exposure. You could com- move into a complete different, um, you know, asset class if you wanted to. So, so given you're, you're looking at your portfolio and, and this is in a fixed income section, of your portfolio, you want to maintain your structure. And so you're going to make a switch across like, 
Um, I know BMO, you guys have a, a bunch of different uh, ETFs, uh, you know, across the spectrum in terms of the fixed income. Like, would you be going shorter or longer now, given where we are? I, I think, you know, um, if you look at, you know, where yields are right now across the yield curve, um, there's really not much of a difference between what you're getting on the short end of the curve and what you're getting on the long end of the curve. Mm-hmm. So I, I would maintain exposure to the short end of the curve just because you're not really being compensated in terms of yield for taking on duration risk at this point. Okay. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you know, when you look at the correlations between long bonds and equities, you know, typically they tend to be negatively correlated. But at this point, um, because of inflation, because you know, central banks have been moving rates upwards and higher. Uh, that correlation between long bonds and the equity markets have really increased. So, you know, the benefits of holding long bonds in your portfolio as, as a hedge against equity market risk have really lessened. So, um, as a result of that, you know, I, I think the short end of the curve really offers a lot more benefits at this point. Oh, that's good. Um, another question I wanted to ask is, you know, um, you talked about GICs. I can get 5% potentially on a GIC, but I'm locked in. Like, if, if you made the choice and said, I don't want to be locked in, I would rather have a, an ETF. Like, what uh, ETF would be a better choice than a GIC now? Um, so, you know, for example, we have our ultra short-term bond ETFs. Um, okay. So, ticker is ZST for the Canadian dollar version, ZUS for the U.S. dollar version. So, what we're doing in this one is we're buying bonds that mature in less than one year, some T-bills in there as well. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned before, you're not stuck in a fixed rate instrument, right? So because, you know, as yields go up, we're buying bonds at a lower price, hence a higher yield. Uh, so the yield on ZST right now is 4.7%. ZUS is 5%. So it's essentially in line with the GIC. But as rates continue to move up and the Bank of Canada is expected to have at least, you know, another 50 basis points, another 75 basis points in the chamber, um, so, you know, with the, with uh, an ETF, that yield is going to move in line with the overnight rate, whereas the GIC would not. Okay, Alfred, I got one last question to ask you. Yeah, you know, you take a look outside. It's looking pretty cold there with that snow. And I have clients heading off to uh, Florida and uh, Arizona. Snowbird activity is happening now as, uh, you know, people start to get ready to go away. Like, do you have U.S. denominated ETFs that you could recommend to them? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I mean, you know, personally, I just got back from Florida two days ago, and I came back, and we got the snowstorm here in Toronto. So I, I, I understand why they go down to Florida and other uh, destinations. But we do have a number of uh, U.S. dollar um, solutions. So as I mentioned before, uh, ZUS.U is our uh, cash-like instrument that provides, you know, about a 5% yield right now. Uh, we also have, you know, I think our franchise, we're known for a lot of covered calls, uh, so we do have a number of uh, U.S. dollar versions of uh, our recovered calls. So our U.S. high dividend ETF, for example, yields 7%. Uh, we also have our covered call Canadian bank ETF at 8% as well. Uh, so those are good solutions. You know, uh, gives you exposure to equity markets in addition to that covered call overlay if you want additional income on top of that as well. Yeah, those are great ideas, Alfred. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us. Hey, always a pleasure. And if you can, you know those symbols that you talked about today, if you could send us an email on those and we'll post them on the website so people can look those up. Will do. All right, you take care. Okay, you too. Thanks, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Alfred Lees, a portfolio manager, investment strategist at BMO Asset Management. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. 
Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by BMO Asset Management. Okay, stay right there. We have executor information. David Eddy is coming back for his part two of a two-part series on executor help. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we are back. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. And joining us now for his part two of our series on executor help is David Eddy. He's the author of Executor Help, How to Settle in the State, Pick an Executor, and Avoid Family Fights. Hey, good morning, David. Thanks for joining us again today. Oh, my pleasure. Great yeah. to be here. We had all kinds of calls regarding uh, your book and uh, what we talked about last week. So let's let's continue on here. And, and again, the book is about choosing an executor, and it, it's it's a struggle for, as you know, like our clients to, to do that. So say, for instance, you know, I, I get asked to be an executive. Like, what do I need to understand about this role? And if you're asking somebody, what do they need to know when they're going to ask somebody? Well, first thing, when someone's asked to be an executive, don't be under the impression that you have to take the job. Okay. I have a friend of mine. She's been asked six times. Actually, I talk about one of the times in the book. And she said no because she understood what the the ramifications of, of the, the family and the family dynamics. In the book, I talk about the triangle of conflict and an, ex, an executor might come across. If, as, as, if you've been asked to be an executor and if you've got at least one of these elements, which would be, A, there's no will, two, there's a, a second marriage, or three, siblings and the family members don't get along, if you've got at least one of those issues and you're asked to be an executor, then you've got a whole set of problems going forward from by just by saying yes so understand that you don't have to say yes okay but understand that it's a huge time commitment and that it's not only um and i talk about in the book that's important that 90 percent of the time most people that are asked to be executives have no idea what to do where to start how to do what to do so that's why i said that you you know make sure that you can uh, the testator the person who's written the will you know has an may you know point you in the right direction to have an accountant to make sure that they have um, the, the lawyer right. and also have a financial advisor to help you know, transfer the assets or managing the assets. Okay. So at least those are the three um, professionals that you should be able to ha- be able to work with as an executor. So would you say those On are the average, first things? Okay, so I get asked as to become an executor. Yep. So we'll, the first things is get those people in, in place, right? You, the lawyer, the accountant, the, the financial advisor, right? Or as a testator, make it as easy as possible for them. Prepare your. Uh, I like to say that you need an executor when you're dead, but you need to prepare the executor while you're alive. Okay. So what that means is, as an executor, uh, and if you're at, and if you're going to take on the job and understand what's involved with the job, that's a time con, um, constraint over 100 hours, and it could take you anywhere from 18 to 24 months to to get the job done. First question you should ask the testator is, where is the will being kept? You know, you want to. I, I pro, uh, propose that you keep it in a, a bright red envelope or a brightly colored envelope in a filing cabinet. Okay. Because when someone passes away, there's trauma, and people are grieving, and there's nothing worse to trying to find something when you're traumatized. Mm-hmm. So make it easier on the the executor to find the will. So ask the question of where the will where is the will being kept? Have you spoken to your family? You know, a lot of times when I was doing the research for the book, mediator was telling me it was un- not uncommon that families would, children would fight over the estate while the parents were gone and they're dead. Yeah. Now what's in vogue is that children are actually going to court now and fighting over the estates while the parents are alive. 
So if you're (laughs) taking on the job as an executor, ask that question. Have you spoken to your family? Have you let them know what your wishes are and what you hope for the future? Because while while people are still alive, they're they're under the impression, well, my family is great. We get along at Christmas. Oh, the, the, the board games we play. You have absolutely no idea how they're going to behave when you're gone. Um, you have absolutely no idea how people are going to react when you have to share an inheritance with them. I right. can attest to it. I know how it goes. So you need to have those conversations. Yes, they might be upset with what you might come up with, and that's fine. It's your estate. You can do whatever you want. But the executor has to ask the testator, have those questions, because as an executor, you're on the hook for the trouble that the beneficiaries might um, come up with. They might take you to court to have you removed. They might uh, sue you because they're saying things aren't going the way they want. You have to understand when someone leaves a legacy to someone, a, a gift, they're looking at it as one way. We're leaving you a gift. As the beneficiary or the inheritor, I'm looking at it as you're, you're leaving me, a, you're scratching me a check. You're leaving me something. Yeah. And all they're interested in is you're gone, the testator, and I'm looking at the executor. You're standing in the way of me getting my check. When do I get my money? Yeah. And they have absolutely no idea what's involved with the job. So that's why you want to make sure you find out, have you spoken with the family? Then how complex is the estate? Maybe the testator might make you co-executor with you know, a bank or a trust company so that you know, some of the family drama will be taken, uh, taken out of the equation. And you've got the bank and the trust company handling all the business side. But understand there's a cost to that. Next huh. thing is the guardian. If who are the chosen guardians? As an, a testator, you have to figure out, okay, who am I going to have as a guardian for my kids? Okay, so that's a separate conversation that you would have with a partner. So in that conversation, you would say, you know, what is their, um, is this person willing to be a guardian? Do they have the financial situ- uh, situation to, you know, look after the kids? Where would the children live? Where are their political and religious beliefs? Um, their skills as a parent? And also the age and health of the of the guardian so you have to ask that question to the testator hey who are the guardians have you prepared them one, and the next thing is as an executor question you ask probably one of the number one questions is will i get paid you you don't have to get paid yeah that's a, that's a big question the discretion of the testator they might leave a percentage of the estate and say that you get paid for your time also understand that income that you get from the estate you have to report that to the cra um, so it's not it's not free money. So you have to be if you're uh, but if you're a beneficiary, maybe you're not going to ask to be get. Do you get it automatically, David, or does it? Can you decline it? Like if if it says if you're, what, what like what's the range of like what first? What can you get paid? Is it uh, a number? It or is it a, a percentage? Percent, it would be yeah. Most everything I've seen is usually a percentage. Okay. A percentage of the estate, and that and and you would you know put that in the will. The testator put that in the will that. One percent or two percent or whatever, and then also I'll cover the cost of um, the estate. Will cover the cost of you know um, photocopying and, and, and gas and that sort of stuff. As long as there's legitimate receipts, you can also claim those uh, to the estate. So that that's fine. Um, but if you're a beneficiary, you may waive that. And I've seen people kind of double dip, get paid for the estate and also be the beneficiary, and that's brought up fights with you know, other beneficiaries, the inheritors, right. or you might waive that. So it, it's totally up to the executor. And the last question to ask, is there a co-executor? So if you have a co-executor, let's say that there's there's three children, and, you know, keep things fair, 
the parents say, you know what, we want the three children to be co-executives. Well, that means you need to get three signatures on all paperwork, mm-hmm. which means if you have to go to the bank or we have to do anything, all three people have to be present to sign and to get the paperwork done. Again, that's a conversation. You might, of the three children, you might say, you know what, I'm only going to choose uh, one, and here's the reason I chose. Kids, even if you're adults, they're still going to be upset, and you have to have that conversation because, well, you know what, do you love me? You love them more than me. So it's a touchy subject. There's no right answer, but you have to gauge and figure out, okay, this is what I want done, and I know it's going to be a lot easier if I just choose one child, maybe because they live in the city or they're good at administrative, handling administra- uh, administrative work and paperwork and things of that nature, so they won't be overwhelmed. Um, and then you, you figure out, okay, this is the one I choose, or maybe you choose all three because they all get along and they all live in the same area and it won't be that difficult. So um, yeah. recently, uh, my, my mom's aunt, uh, she's 93 years old, lives in Barbados, but her, her, her executor lives in, uh, in England. And I said to her, and she's showing me her paperwork, and, and I said to her, well, there was two things. When you, when you have your will, you want to update the will. She showed me who the, the um, main beneficiary was, and it was her sister. She was going to inherit this house that she had built in Barbados. And I said to her, isn't this your sister that's passed away? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, then we've got a problem here. <laughs> now the estate will be held up. Yeah, exactly. And I said, you're showing me you know, the paperwork, and you brought me this file of the will, and you came out of your bedroom, and it was in, you know, in, a, in a drawer. I said, does your executor know where it is? She goes, no. I said, well, then that's another problem right there. Yeah. So as an executor, you need, that's you know, why I said at the beginning, where's the will kept? Yeah. Yeah, that's and sure. prepare your executor as best you can. Yeah, that's that's great advice, David. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for today. And okay. if you do, like, we'd like to call you again and uh, follow up again because you, you know I have like ton more questions, and we can do this again. It's been great, and um, uh, it's great to hear that, that you have so much success with your book. And uh, we look forward to uh, and thanks for yeah, giving well, us some, of, giving us something to some give out the check checklist for the executor. Yeah, you just go to davidedy.com, um, and there there's free free checklist for. Um, for executors to download and, and someone who's a testator that you have that checklist and prepare them that you could put with the will. Yeah. And, um, you know, more information on my website. Yeah, that's great, David. Thanks again. You take care and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. That was our friend, David Eddy. If you'd like to receive a copy of one of his books and get into our draw, all you have to do is call Dominic now, 1-866-891-2637. That's 1-866-891-2637 to get into the draw. And at the same time, as for the RBC Guide, plan for tomorrow. Today, it's 35 pages packed with information that you need to know to get your plan going. And join us next week right here on Primetime Money. We're going to go shopping in the bargain bin of stocks and bonds and hopefully dig up some good buys. Kim Bolton's going to join us next week from Black Swan. He's going to talk about all the great deals that are available there in the technology sector. And I'll go over the bond market to find us some great yields. That's it for me. See you back here next week at 10 a.m. I'm Richard Infantino, and you've been listening to Primetime Money. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.